USAA is proudly celebrating 100 years of serving the military community. It was a group of soldiers who launched USAA in 1922 by joining together to insure each other's vehicles when no one else would. Since then, USAA has grown to more than 13 million members strong. And through it all, one thing has remained. USAA is still serving the military community and their families. Find out more at USAA.com 100. This episode of Veterans Voice features the entire interview with Air Force combat medic veteran, Crystal Martin. She shares her story of living with undiagnosed PTSD and coming to a place of solutions and healing with the help of hyperbaric chamber therapy and Aviv Clinics. It's just ahead. And hot! Welcome to the Veterans Voice, presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, originating from the Optum Podcast Studio in partnership with podcast channel sponsor, Medicare Mentors, technology partner, Colorado Computer Support, and supporting partner, the WireNet Home Services. Welcome back, everybody, to Veterans Voice. I'm your host, Paul Watson. Today on the show, we have Crystal Martin, a former combat medic that has a journey that she wants to share with our listeners about her struggles with PTSD and and her journey to be better on the other side. Crystal, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. We're just happy you're on here sh- uh, sharing your story because that's one thing that we've talked about a lot on the show is a lot of people don't share that story. A lot of people keep it in and, and they keep it to themselves. And that's, that's part of that struggle, right? That's part mm-hmm. of, that's part of, you know, not healing. I, I had an Absolutely. event not too long ago called shadow the silence. And it's, what it's all about just getting out there, telling your story, because there's going to be someone that, that connects with that. There's someone that's struggling with the same thing. So you telling mm-hmm. your story is, is huge for the community. How about you uh, give us a little bit of background about your military career, how it all started? Sure. Just a young girl from a big family out of San Diego and uh, didn't have a whole lot of money for college. And I happened to see a poster downtown one day that said, uh, we'll pay for your college. Walked in and next thing I know, I was signed up for the Air Force and was just going to stay four years. And I ended up staying a little over 20. So that's really how my journey began, and I was blessed enough to be in uh, flight medicine, a medical clinic that supports the pilots, and so I didn't know till probably 10 years into my career that it was a highly deployable type medical job. And so that's kind of where things began. Okay. So how many times did you deploy? I deployed a total of 14 times. Now, having said that, that wasn't always combat, some mm-hmm. of it. And believe it or not, my uh, my biggest uh, trigger I suffered later was from a humanitarian mission. So total 14 times, Middle East, uh, and uh, just about everywhere in the world except for Asia. That's good and bad, obviously. You know, the, the com- mm-hmm. combat deployments are always a little tough uh, on the yeah. body. So tell us about your your journey. Like, so you had a, had some PTSD go on, some anxiety, stress. Um, tell us a little bit about that, that background. I, I don't know if this is the case with a lot of people, but I got out of the military and seemed to be just fine. And I went on with my life and I worked for some years in our businesses. And then uh, when things changed and we sold them, I went and finished my nursing degree and started working in nursing. That went along for some years, just fine. And then, um, you know, when I came out of the military, my husband noticed some things like I all of a sudden for the first time in my life had some anger issues and that was causing some 
problems with our marriage. I seem to be having for the first time anxiety and what I called panic attacks, but again, didn't really do a whole lot about it. Mm -hmm. And so one day I was moved there to urgent care. And I think I had been in there maybe two months and we had a patient, a burn patient brought in. And that was the first time I actually had what they define a trigger. And it was such an incapacitating trigger that I literally could no longer work in urgent care wow. and then discovered I could no longer work in the clinics. So one day the switch went off and um, it was the most horrific thing for me to now, you know, I pretty much lost my career, couldn't function, couldn't uh, get up in the morning. It's just as if my whole world crashed in on me. So. Fast forward, I started to go see somebody to get help. I thought maybe, gosh, it must be a brain tumor because it came on all of a sudden. But I had a lot of things ruled out. But let me tell you the most, uh, the toughest part of this was as a woman, there, there's not a whole lot of help for women with PTSD. And by the way, I, I didn't even put this out there. Also a military sexual trauma that happened in the beginning of my career. So I had two things going on, but there wasn't any type of real acknowledgement of women in PTSD. If you think about it, we weren't really taking those combat roles. I came in in 87. They were just kind of starting to ramp that up. So by the time we started retiring, you know, around my time of retirement, there weren't a whole lot of us out there with PTSD. So I was pretty much told um, that it was PMS, premenstrual syndrome. Then I was told it was postpartum from when I had my daughter. Then I was told it had to be menopause. And I even had a doctor say, you know, women just get sad and blue sometimes. And, you know, when that happens, just go home and have a martini. So I, I was very depressed about this, very, um, very sad, very embarrassed. And I am so blessed that I had a husband who was incredibly supportive of me going through all this. And then, of course, the medications, you know, you get dished out all kinds of medications. Yeah. And I think the medications made me worse. Yeah. I think, you know, I was walking around. One of my things was depression and I was sleeping all the time and I take these medications. Now I'm sleeping even more headaches, nausea, sweating. And so that in and of itself takes away from your quality of life. So um, that's kind of up to the point before I stepped into the Aviv clinics. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, you know, it's sad that, that you got that reaction. It is. It is. You, it is. And that's part of why I speak out about this. Yeah. And, and I've said it on the show a million times. And, you know, I, I've had people come up to me, you know, I was special forces for, for 12 years. I was in for 20 mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, you know, I have my anxiety, I have my stress, you know, stuff like that, PTSD, but it's nothing like yours because, you know, you were special forces. I'm like, no, that's not true at all. Mm -hmm. Your trauma is your trauma. Your brain is your brain. Everybody, process, everybody processes trauma a completely different way. And for a doctor to sit here and tell you that, oh, it, you're a female, so it's just PMS, like... <laughs> that is a slap in the face. To, Absolutely. To not, Absolutely. not just a veteran, just not, I mean, not just that to anyone to just absolutely diminish anybody's, mm -hmm. somebody's symptoms, you know, yes. just that's, that's horrible. And 
and I'll even hit on those drugs too. I'm the the government and actually the, the medical field I've I've started to see lately is, is starting to go towards that non-standard care. They're starting to see more of the realist or the seeing how these non-standard cares can work because for so long it was just pills. Pills, 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 pills. Yes. I had friends that were taking six, seven pills a day for PTSD. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're just zoned out. Like, how how can you be a good spouse, a father, you know, a, a mother? How can you be something when now you're just zoning your, your brain out? And it's and you're yes. not you're not actually taking care of the situation. You're not taking care of the issue where these non-standard cares are actually are helping people. Yes. And oddly enough, a lot of these pills, one of the side effects of them is um thoughts of suicide. Yeah, depression. And I, I would read that on the bottle and think, wow, okay, well, that's kind of part of the reason they gave it to me. And I just find that interesting. So mm-hmm. yeah, I well, had I had my my first appointment with my PCM from the VA the other day. And it, we did kind of start going down that road of like, hey, how about I prescribe you this, this, this? And I had a conversation with you. And, uh, and I'm starting a behavior health clinic for non-standard care here in Colorado Springs. Nice. And so it's all... Uh, uh, ketamine, hyperbaric chamber, TMS. But I, I told her that and she's like, oh, okay, I see where you're going with that. And she kind of switched her brain a little bit of saying, hey, how about how about we get you in to see this person? I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't need the pills anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. That's that's great. So so with your history, what do you think that trigger was caused by? I mean, it was I know sure. you had I know you had your combat deployments, but we all keep the we all been through things and we especially with SPTSD, a lot of it seems to come out at some point in time. You know, so yeah. mine was a hundred percent the definition of the pot finally boiling over. Like just never took care of anything. And then one day I had a full-on panic attack, almost had a heart attack. Mm, yeah it was just ignoring everything and then finally it, it, was. it was like you can't ignore it anymore <laughs> yeah and like I said mine mine kind of caught me by surprise but if I fast forward because we're going to talk about Aviv in a minute if I fast forward finally finally what I was diagnosed with was um, I, I have uh, my military sexual trauma incident, and I was diagnosed with what they call a moral PTSD. So my incident had to do with, and you know, when when I was medical, when I went in, I, I was very young, and I don't know what I was thinking. I thought, well, I get to save lives, and I get to, you know, help people. And what I didn't know about was the ugly side, and that was when you go to war. And so at some point, me and a little group of people had to process a, a lot of very burned bodies. And um, I had just had a baby Uh, approximately six months and two weeks prior to the deployment. As soon as I was eligible to deploy, I left my six-month-old daughter back in Germany and deployed. And so, like I said, just processing burn bodies, but I ended up having a, uh, a moment where I had to take two little, um, toddlers, a baby and a toddler off of a mother Uh, who had all been burned. And for some reason, um, that was an extremely difficult thing that caused um, for some time for me, a lot of anxiety and depression. And, you know, for many reasons, guilt separating them. I felt like I, I took this woman's babies from her. I just a ton of things. And that's, you know, where things begin like nightmares and flashbacks. And so when I was in urgent care years later, when that woman came in, 
her and her child, they were both burned, um, that was the trigger point for me. That was the breaking point where everything came flooding in like Niagara Falls and just kind of destroyed my life from that day forward. I'll tell you, Crystal, that, that story alone, I, you said, mm -hmm. and I don't mean to diminish anything you're saying, but you said for some reason this affected me. Well, I, Crystal, I think that would have affected majority of people in that situation. So you yeah. don't like, don't take anything away from that. Like it's, that's amazing. That's horrible, like horrible to have to experience, but that's, you know, again, like you said, the realities of war is some of the things that are just the hardest to process. That's the things that just happen in war are are hard absolutely hard to process um and we all signed up to do it and mm -hmm. we had to do it you had someone sitting there telling you to do it and you're like i have i have to do this thing that i just absolutely feel horrible about and yeah and and that's where i think a lot of that disassociation and compartmentalizing comes in is we absolutely just want to push that away you just don't want to have to think about that and then like like you said it comes up in the future Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what, what was your journey after that? Where, where did life, because yeah. you're doing great now from. Yes. Um, I am doing a lot better now and, and things, this is where uh, I didn't have any of these diagnoses until later, mm -hmm. but what happened was my husband and I, you know, we were in such a bad place. I don't know who I was. I didn't recognize myself. My biggest thing was. I felt like I was hurting and destroying everybody being the way that I was and they would be better off without me. And so that's kind of where those things, you know, that self-talk starts coming into your mind. And for the first time, I didn't have a career. I couldn't go back to work. I couldn't even take the smell of an alcohol wipe without um, having an anxiety attack. So what we decided to do was move. We thought maybe, you know, a change of environment and you know warmer weather uh would work for us and we came down to florida and we you talk about divine intervention so a few months of being down here my husband opened the newspaper and he saw an article in there from a clinic called aviv aviv i think they get that because their original clinic was in tel aviv and the article said they were looking for military veterans who may have the following symptoms. And my husband was reading it and I was just going, check, check, check. And it was in the field of hyperbarics. In just a moment, you will hear the next part of Crystal's amazing story. But now a word from our sponsors, Colorado Computer Support. Imagine never having to worry about your information systems ever again. Colorado Computer Support, the exclusive veterans voice technology partner, meeting all of our computing needs. Colorado Computer Support is veteran owned. They're your team for innovative collaborative IT services and solutions to enhance and support your Colorado business. When you need IT services to keep your business going, make sure the Colorado Computer Support team is on your team. Call 719 355 2440 to learn more. And that's 719-355-2440. The Wire Nut Home Services. Every season brings a new strain on your home's systems. Veterans Voice Partner, The Wire Nut Home Services, is the company you can count on to handle your heating, cooling, and electrical needs. They're family-owned, proud to employ honest, hardworking Coloradans. And when you need plumbing, heating, cooling, or electrical help, The Wire Nut does that. Call 719-399-5021. That's 719-399-5021.
And I was a little familiar with that because of the job that I did in the military. So it was right up the street and they said they were taking interviews. So I went. And what's interesting, you said something earlier, you said something about um, how we try to minimize what we have. And as I'm talking to them and they're asking me questions, I kept saying, please don't take me if there's somebody worse. Please don't take me. I, I think mine is really a small thing. And finally, they they just said, Crystal, stop, yeah. stop. And they said the same thing as you. No, absolutely not. And we are moving you to the second phase. And so for the first time, I felt, oh my gosh, somebody is validating me here. So anyway, I... I got all kinds of pre-testing done, pre-interviews done, interviewed with people that were over in Tel Aviv. So I went through this and it took me a couple of months. And then one day I got the phone call to come in and they all sat around and they put my brain scans up there and they said, look at this. Do you see these little popcorn things right here? That's PTSD. They kept talking and I just burst into tears. And they, you know, they're asking me, are you okay? And I, I'm like, yes, uh, these are, these are happy tears because for the first time in years, somebody believes me, somebody believes what is going on with me as something valid. And now I have something tangible. So that's kind of where my journey began. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I really was a little bit leery at first because I had gone through all of these things. And so I said, you know what, what do I have to lose? And I knew these people were spending a lot of time and a lot of money to do this research. There was, I believe, a total of nine of us. There were Navy SEALs and other people in there with me as well. So I looked at them and I said, because you're giving me this, I'm going to give it 100%. This is what I owe back to you. So I ended up doing 60 hyperbaric dives, two hours each. Wow. I went five wow. days a week. And it was also a multidisciplinary program, which included uh, they have people, exercise physiologists you work out with. They have psychiatrists you work out with. They have brain doctors who work on a number of things like your your processing speed, your cognitive skills, your visual skills, your re response time, because you do all these brain games. I also had physical therapy. I had a dietitian. So most days you would be there anywhere from two hours to four hours. And this was a total of three months. And um, so that's kind of where things began. And if I have a second, I would just love to tell you kind of what the hyperbaric does for PTSD. Absolutely. Sure. So this was all explained to me. And like I said, this just opened a whole new world of explanation for me and made me feel validated. But your brain, your body is a wonderful thing. And when you have some sort of fight or flight incident with your body, your body says, listen, I got your back. I'm going to do some things for you and take care of this. And so in the case of maybe my moral trauma and the processing of these bodies and the things that I had to do was so horrifying for me that my brain says, you know what, I'm going to kind of reroute a pathway in your brain. And that way, that little area that causes you to remember and think about it is kind of tucked away. And so what happens is 
you you do kind of get different pathways and now you're wired differently but when they tuck these different areas away there's also other things in these areas like your joy for example in your frontal lobe and so if if it's you know redoing the roadway from one area that area might be the area that makes you happy and now you have anger and now you have depression and now you have nightmares and so what hyperbarics does is it has the ability to get into your brain and flood your brain with oxygen and and that never happens and so when it does that it has the ability to grow back these pathways and when it does that it heals the brain so that's kind of what hyperbarics does in a nutshell and and i'm no certainly no expert at it but um you know i've tried to learn a little bit along the way so you end up with this this uh healing and remember i said they do brain scans before you go in mm -hmm. yeah. they also do them when you're done and i knew there was quite a I, difference <laughs> yes i knew i knew before they even put them up there i had a change and the thing was the wonderful thing was you don't necessarily you don't get in the chamber and do a dive and poof i feel different mm -hmm. it's a journey it's a journey. It's it's like if you cut yourself, you know, it doesn't heal overnight. It takes time. And so I stuck with it. I did everything I was supposed to do. I gave it 100%. I believe I got 100% out of it because by the time I finished, I was pretty much a different person. And it kept getting better for me as time went on. They don't just do these dives and dump you it's kind of a relationship that you have with them for quite a while. So you come back and you test again and you do things and they see the progress. You get to talk to them about the progress. You're listening to The Veteran's Voice, presented by USAA in partnership with Optum, Medicare Mentors, Colorado Computer Support, and the WireNet Home Services. My biggest thing was to to get my quality of life back and not be on medications. So I would say that 80 or so percent of my life is back. My husband will tell you. He said, I feel like I'm back with the person I married. That means so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, I'm so thankful to have had a good support system. And I'm happy to say I'm only on one medication versus five. And so my hope is someday I'm, I'm off of that medication as well. But Dr. Afradi, the one that uh, hopefully you can interview him someday, he's in Tel Aviv. Um, but Dr. Afradi started this with his hyperbaric clinic over, over there because his soldiers were exhibiting signs of PTSD. And these were these were troops that worked for him, that he cared about. And so he committed himself to starting this research and this program for these soldiers who served him so well in the country so well. And he was finding fantastic results. And so now that they have the clinic here in Florida, they solicited and got veterans. And I do believe they have a second round of veterans they're going to bring in. And so the more we get in there and do this, the more research and, and medical papers that are coming out. And these are the things that are desperately needed to advance these programs. 
Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and listening to you, your journey was so multifaceted. Right? You, mm-hmm. Working in the nonprofit world, I, I can't even tell you. I also run a foundation called the Special Forces Foundation, and I have to beg people for me to help them. I have, yeah, because they don't think they're worth it. They think somebody else is worse. They mm-hmm. think, they think that it's oh, I can deal with this later, and I I don't want this in my records because it's going to make you know I'm going to lose my security clearance. Which absolutely, there's there's another facet to it. Yeah. And to that, I always answer, well, you're definitely going to lose your security clearance if you go off the deep end and do something stupid. So, and your marriage and your life. Exactly. So, um, and, and so that, that, that first step is really huge is getting, mm-hmm. finally getting to that, that person to that point of like, oh, wow, I, one, I do need the help. And two, people care. People. Absolutely. Care. And I, I tell people like, Hey, help, help me help you help me. Because I, I, I work in this nonprofit world because it, it makes me feel better and it helps. It's my therapy to go out and help people. So there are people for everybody listening, Mount Carmel, like come in here, everybody that's in here in, in Aviv clinic, these clinics around the, around the country, like these people genuinely want to help. And that's, I got to. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Yeah. You're incredibly vulnerable when you go to step into something like this. And we have been taught our culture in the military is that you cannot be a weak link. Yep, get the mission done. And first. yeah. And so when you do that, you, you expose yourself, you become vulnerable. And then the other thing is PTSD. I mean, let's just put it out there. It is kind of a, a mental health issue. I feel more that it is a, uh, traumatic brain injury issue it's more like a brain injury issue because i've tangibly seen it and um lastly like you said if if you don't step forward and do these things um if you do step forward and do these things rather you're helping other people to be able to step forward yep and you tell you coming on telling this story you know absolutely i guarantee there's someone out there listening going oh wow i was an air force uh, medic. And I didn't think I saw that much stuff, but, you know, listening to your story. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. And your brain, yeah. you, you know, it doesn't matter if it was something super minimal, like it, it still affected you and it's still trauma and it, and it changed your brain, how your brain's thinking. And you know, you're talking yeah. about the hyperbaric chamber of, of creating new pathways uh, in, in your brain for that pre prefrontal cortex of, of how your neurons, I, I always explain to people because with the clinic, with TMS, with ketamine, with hyperbaric, uh, even psilocybin, they're even finding out. Um, it's it's all about how those neurons fire. And through your experience and through your trauma, your those those connections, those pathways in between neurons are now wired to have PTSD, to have anxiety, to have stress. And so unless you go in and actually fix that brain and create yes. those pathways, you're you're stuck in a loop. You're stuck in the same thinking and and so it and counseling alone can help with that, but it takes a very, very, very long time of intensive counseling where we can just go in with these hyperbaric chambers and this TMS and create new pathways coupled with counseling. You have an opportunity to think healthy and create different thoughts, I guess, a different way of thinking, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. Oh, yes. And, and actually you you're getting a little bit of yourself back. 100%. You're getting a little bit of your pre-war self back. And I can say that for a fact. Mm-hmm. And the medications, they're just doing almost the same thing, but they're masking it. And at some point Surprising. they start wearing off. 
And you know, you're gonna continue in in this hell for a lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And by the way, they are starting to release on TV. I, I'm watching they're they're interviewing these Israeli soldiers, you know, this conflict that's going on over in Israel and the stuff. Uh, I can't believe they said the number one group of people that are suffering right now are the medical people that have had to find, you know, all these people and deal with them, the ones that Hamas kind of came over and and did their stuff too. And the trauma of having to process what they've seen and witnessed, they said the medical people are the ones suffering the most PTSD right now out of the gate. So um, and I, you know, it's kind of relatable. Yeah, I've, I've said this uh, to other people. I said, oh, sorry, I said this, but <laughs> um, the the people that suffer from PTSD, I, I believe the most are the people that join the military in career fields that aren't combat because mm -hmm. you, you signed up to be a medic. I mean, for the most part, yeah. you thought you were going to be in a hospital, uh, you know, helping mm -hmm. people. And then now all of a sudden, bam, you're thrown into the thick of it. Uh, like a, an admin person, an admin guy, a cook. I know we like, we took cooks out on us as our drivers all the time when we went out Yeah, and they did, they thought they were going to be in a kitchen. Like, and actually, you know, they're running over IEDs. And it's like, it's all about how your brain is prepared to go into these situations. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's a ton of PTSD when it comes to combat arms. I, I will de definitely not diminish that by any means. Um, but that, that, that guy that, that soldier that went into war that didn't think he was necessarily or she they didn't didn't think they were necessarily going to go into these situations i can't imagine of oh crap now this is getting real i was prepared to go in to do the things i i, I did i mean that was a two, a two absolutely year, special forces yes i saw things that i didn't want to see and yes i deal with my 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 ptsd but i can't imagine just not expecting it and it happening mm -hmm. so. yeah it it does you know you you, uh, I remember when I got out thinking to myself, you know, I, wow, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. And, you know, little did I know it was a ticking time bomb. You, you can't, you know, just kind of disregard this stuff. Um, no, it it comes, it's there. Yeah. It's definitely a ticking time bomb. I mean, it's, it's, if you, if you hold it in, it's going to come out sooner or later. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I love that the military is is starting to normalize behavior health. I mean, I when I was in the team room, I was second in charge in, in the team room with twelve man ODA, uh, special forces team, and I started seeking counseling. And every time I had a counseling appointment, I'd stand up and be like, "Hey, everyone, I'm going to see a counselor. Everybody here should too, because <laughs> like we got to start. Sure, we got to start using those pathways before the trauma hits. Using those pathways for good." Um, and, and absolutely, absolutely. And involving the family because oh, absolutely. I, um, when I went to Aviv, you know, and, and one of the great things about being in a research program is they talk to you a lot and say, help us, help us help you guys, yep. you know, what are some things that you think we can do better? And one of the things I talked about was I said, you know, we all came in here by ourselves. And we really should be involving our family in this. And because I said, nobody knows me better than my husband. Nobody knows how I changed better than him. And nobody knows how I've changed for the better than him. Mm -hmm. 
And so he's had to live with it. Um, sometimes we don't have self-awareness and maybe our spouse can, you know, add a little bit more to the mix. You know, I notice my husband does this when this happens and involving them when they're stakeholders in this makes it a lot easier for you because they understand, they understand and, you know, if there is still a, a weakness or an incident, they're saying to themselves, okay, okay, I'm recognizing that he's having, you know, anxiety or I'm recognizing, you know, and you have somebody to walk with you. And I'm sorry, Crystal, we have to take a second here for a word from our sponsors. Optum Colorado. Veterans Voice is produced in the Optum Podcast Studio. Optum Colorado is a Mountain View medical group, part of Optum offers 20 clinics throughout the Pikes Peak region. Their primary and specialty care doctors provide quality patient-centered backed by Optum's industry-leading health services and technology. Optum is dedicated to helping our community live healthier while keeping care affordable. Visit optum.com Colorado to learn more and schedule your appointment today. Medicare Mentors. When it's time to consider your Medicare options, it's time to talk with Medicare Mentors. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, is veteran-owned and long-standing Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center partner and the Veterans Voice podcast channel provider. More than that, they go above and beyond to make sure when you need them, they're there lending a helping hand. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, always above and beyond. Visit MedicareMentorsLLC.com for more information. All right, now we're back here with Crystal. So, Crystal, you brought something up that was that means something to me of the the family portion of this. We try to we try to help the service member so much, but sometimes the families do get ignored. And even when it comes to counseling for me, if you're if someone that doesn't or someone that knows you very well doesn't come into your one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions every once in a while to give a broader picture, it's you're kind mm -hmm. of you're kind of funneling that that care. You're not opening it up to, you know, our brains make things up. Let's be honest. Like we we all see things in a different light. So if you have someone else's vision on that it's definitely just going to add to that counseling so it's always smart to bring your family but then you also have bring that family member and they see that you're actually trying to make that difference and make that change mm -hmm. uh, but a, a service member with a broken family is just as bad as a, a broken service member because you could sit there and fix and fix and fix but they're going back to an unhealthy environment or unsafe environment or just an environment that's that is going to take everything you did that day for that counseling and just take it back two steps. You're absolutely spot on with that of the, the whole family bringing your husband in and, and having him share because that's just another part of the journey. Absolutely. And, you know, they're, they're collateral damage from this stuff as well. You know, they've, they've had to endure, like in my case of my husband, at least, um, the anger, um, you know, losing the person he married, uh, having to deal with me, having panic attacks and nightmares and not being able to work. And so in, in my process of destruction, I'm destroying what's around me as well. And so they start to become broken. And I felt like when my husband was part of my healing and my journey, he got so educated on everything that he said he looked at me differently when I would start to get angry. He was able to say, okay, let's recognize this. Let's step back and recognize this. And so things just 
went different directions and it became part of my healing. Yeah, that's a very mature, it's a very helpful way to look at that mm -hmm. because my wife uh, had, has had struggled with uh, eating disorders and, and mm -hmm. uh, behavioral health issues for a long time, anxiety and stress. And, and it's hard not to feel like it's happening to you. You know, like, it, like, Absolutely. like it's, it's hard not to feel like it was hard not to feel like she was doing that to me. Um, and so I started like, like your husband started doing that research and start looking into it. I'm like, okay, I, there, you have to form some sort of empathy for it. You have to understand that, it, that it's it, that people, a lot of behavioral health issues come out in a self-destructive manner. And so having that partner that sees that recognizes that and does some research and, and then builds that little bit of empathy is again, another part of your, it should be another part of your journey. So for all the people out there listening that have a spouse with PTSD or anxiety, or, you know, any, any, any behavior health issue out there, you have to understand that they're not doing it to you. They're doing it to themselves. You're just collateral, like you said. And, mm -hmm. and that, that empathy is just going to help the journey. It's not going to hurt. You bet. Um, but it's, you know, when I started doing my, uh, exiting the or started exiting out of the military, I was doing my VA claim, and I, I tell the guys like, "Hey, when you do your VA claim and you write down all these things that's wrong with you, it's weird, it's a phenomenon." But the next day, you start feeling all of it, and everything hurts. You wake yeah. up the next morning, and your, your knee hurts. And the next morning, your other knee hurts, and and it's just it's. And my wife was looking at me like, "What is wrong with you?" And <laughs> I went down a dark hole because I was like, "I'm broken. I can't do the things I used to do. I can't operate like I used to operate." And yes. And so she was, because of her journey that she'd been down and, and she started doing the same thing at the beginning of like, you're just lazy. You're laying around all day. You're just depressed and it's depressing me. And then she kind of stepped back and we went to counseling too. And of, Hey, you have to understand this person's journey is their journey. It's not, you can do it together, but the, the healing portion has to be helped by you, not hurt. <laughs> so Absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, they, when if somebody is due in disability, oddly enough, they want a witness letter. Mm -hmm. And so who do you typically, uh, who are you probably going to get a witness letter from when it comes to PTSD? And that's your significant other because they witness it every, all the time. Every day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's amazing. So where, where are you at now? Where is your journey led you to up to this point? Well, um, one of the things is doing exactly what I'm doing here today, and that is taking absolutely every opportunity that I can to get this message out about hyperbarics and the impact that it has had on not, just not myself, but lots of other people. And really quickly, let me add, these chambers that I was in uh, here in Florida, they hold approximately, I believe it was 15 people. And they have, I think, three chambers. So I was in there with these people that were from the military study. But I was also in there with people who had suffered uh, the ill effects of COVID. And same thing in the brain, COVID attacks the frontal lobe. Um, where do you get your joy from? Where do you get your happiness from? people that had Parkinson's, people that had strokes. And I got to see from zero to finish with these people. And a lot of the things were external. Uh, for example, I think there was a head injury 
And so this person had physical, you know, uh, paralysis on one side and things like that. I got to see this paralysis going away the more we did the dives. So this this green medicine, uh, this oxygen, it is not just helpful for people like me. Imagine if you had a stroke. Imagine if you had a head injury, um, military TBI, head injuries. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of people who benefit from this, but anyway um we actually it, sent, we helped uh, pay for someone to go to hyperbaric for uh extreme arthritis yes it's, yeah the inflammation just, yep the inflammation it's oxygen blood flow yeah yeah it's oxygen how do you like that who knew but it's mm -hmm. oxygen under pressure it it's kind of a different physiology but it's absolutely incredible and you know i got some additional wonderful things that happened to me but Anyway, I continue to to talk everywhere I can because I pray that somebody else gets to experience the change that I did. I still continue to go to the VA. I go to my counseling because I still am on one medica medication. And so it's it's not perfect, but it's perfect enough that I've got my life back and that I can function. I I have not attempted to go back to work yet. I just happen to be um, in my 60s, and so I'm very close to retirement. Um, so I haven't tested that out yet. But um, and I continue to go back to a V for periodic follow-ups. Like I said, they I I'm lucky to live so close. So I said, absolutely, keep using me, keep using me, and getting that message out there. So. Um, that's awesome, Chris. But there's hope. There's yep. hope. There's hope for healing. And I I would much rather heal and and not have medications than have to continue taking these medications and feeling the way that I did. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to blanket symptoms. We don't want to just put yeah. a mask on them. We want to we want to fix that brain. Uh Crystal, that's that's awesome. Your story is awesome. And there I guarantee there's somebody out there that that heard it, it that, that mm -hmm. going to make that decision to finally go get help because you guys are all worth it out there. Everyone signed the dotted line. I don't care if you spent six months in, I don't care if you spent 25 years in, I don't care if you were a cook or you were the baddest soldier out there. Uh, you, oh, you, yeah. you all deserve it. You, everyone out there deserves it. Everyone else, everyone out there deserves to be healthy and to live a healthy life and a happy life and places like Mount Carmel are, that's what we're here for too, is to, to get, to facilitate that and get people to that health with all the resources we have here. So Crystal, this is my uh, favorite part of the show. I always ask people to, uh, for my guests to tell us a story about your military career to connect with the, it could be funny. It could be serious. It can be anything. I know you told your story earlier, but this one is a little bit more jovial. You got anything? Yes. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> I will tell you, when I first went in the military, uh, I was, when I was in Germany, I worked in the hospital and they put me in executive health and protocol. And my job was to escort dignitaries and VIPs around the medical group for their annual exams. And my very first person I was to pick up and escort to the dental clinic and, you know, to the doctor and all these things was a general. 
And when I picked him up, we started going down the hallway, but I immediately noticed something. And we got in the elevator and I finally said, sir, um, I just wanted you to know that you forgot your name tag. <laughs> I did not know generals did not wear name tags. So needless to say, that was the shortest job I had in my entire career. And so uh, you're young and you're dumb, let me tell you. But in closing, you know, let me just say to, to anyone out there, have hope. You know, you have to be op open to uh, what's going on now. We're in a time where we have so much that people didn't have years ago, World War One and Two in Korea and Vietnam. And so... We're fortunate in that we live in a culture now that, you know, things like PTSD and stuff um, are not behind closed doors so much. And, and there's so much help. And the reason I say to you to step up, um, there's, there's a ton of reasons to step up. Number one is you. But you help research. You help advance research. And that's probably the biggest, biggest thing because maybe – they didn't get it before. We didn't get it a whole lot. But the people that come after us will. You raise awareness on this subject. You know, um, people understand and are more likely to, um, to help. You get to join support groups. And so when you do this, you think, you know, it's you're in this bubble, but you're helping the person in that support group to the right and left of you. And so suffering alone means suffering forever. And, you know, it can harm your health. It can cause you to get into drugs and alcohol, destroy your family, destroy your kids. But, but get out there and talk to someone. Talk to someone you trust and make the first step. Because if you don't, you're, you're not creating a footprint for those in the future, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. That, yeah. that that's that step for self self-care branches off to so many things. It, it branches off to, like you said, one, you're number one, you have to take care of yourself and then your family comes mm -hmm. next. And you, you'll see going down that path of how possible it is. It's not easy. It's a commitment. Um, it gets easier as you go, mm -hmm. but then you, then you put yourself into this world of, of help and you see all these other people that are in the same cycle and dealing with the same things you are. And there's a lot of people that then, like you, see that and now they're better and they want to help other people get better. So now you're creating a purpose for yourself. And that purpose yes. is huge. That purpose is very big. And once you feel that purpose and you see that first person next to you feel better like you do, mm -hmm. man, that, that there, I don't think there's a better feeling in the world, to be honest with you, of just seeing yeah. people go down that journey. So go out there and get help. Just like Crystal said, um, it's, it's important for you. It's important for the, the generations ahead of us. Um, you got to get out there and do it. And we, ha and we have resources. So let us know at Mount Carmel and shoot us an email here. Um, we can get you linked up with Crystal if Crystal would like to. And uh, if you want to hear more, absolutely. Yeah. More, hear more about uh, Aviv and all the different clinics around. We can, uh, we can get that stuff out there. So Crystal, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. I know you affected someone out there today, I promise. And uh, I, I just really appreciate uh, you being open and honest about your journey. So thank you. Yeah, Paul. And thank you for what you do. 
And again, I know uh, Aviv uh, will probably hear this. Thank you so much for what Aviv does. And if it wasn't for you, um, people like me wouldn't um, be where I'm at. So thank you so much. Thank you, Crystal. You've been listening to The Veterans Voice, presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center and originates from the Optum Podcast Studio located on the Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center campus in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The podcast channel is provided by Medicare Mentors. Computing Power is provided by Technology Partner Colorado Computer Support. Additional funding is provided by Supporting Partner The Wirenut Home Services. Veterans Voice airs on flagship station KRDL News Radio Sundays at 7.30 a.m. The podcast publishes Saturday at 8 a.m. and is available on all your favorite podcast apps. Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, providing non-crisis counseling for veterans with no referral or insurance required. Locations in Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad. To schedule an appointment, call 719-309-4758.